Bifesta. first episode of the Brad Bolt Show as part of the Lab Network podcast. I am joined by a couple of really good friends that I've now made through my Twitter experience. First, we've got the man, the myth, the beard himself, Daniel O'Connell. How are you, Dan? <laughs> I'm good, Brad. How are you going, mate? Good, buddy. Uh, now, we've also got a, another great great friend that we've made through here, a fellow Packers fan of yours, and that's Mel. Mel, how are you? I'm well. How are you guys? Good, good. Doing good, Mel. Doing good. It's, uh, I mean, we've spoken, all three of us have spoken uh, numerous times on uh, Twitter and everything, so it's actually nice to be face-to-face sort of and speak, as opposed to through DMs and comments and (laughs) things like that. I was going to say, this is a long time overdue for me and you, Brad. We've been talking for ages now. We've always tried to line something up and just weren't able to yet, but finally got something going now. So it's good to jump on with you. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't have uh, come across Mel if it wasn't for you after uh, all that. So I have to thank you for that. So that's uh, handy. Good old Packers Twitter. (laughs) Exactly. Old Packers family. It's a good one. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we've got Mel on now. Mel has uh, had a few, couple big weeks here. Um, not sure if anyone's aware that uh, the Geelong Cats won the premiership, which I think Mel's slightly happy about. Um, you know, so Mel, can you, can you give us a bit of a rundown of your experience of what it was like? Grand final day, grand final celebrations, week after, couple weeks after. Oh. Have you managed to get to bed and have some sleep yet? No, well I. I managed to watch the replay just before for about, I think I'm up to the 11th time and I cry, I still cry. (laughs) 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 I'm just wondering when that emotion will go away, but it's, it's still well and truly there. Oh, look, it was just, I mean, it's just such an incredible um, experience that, you know, the whole, the whole season, um leading up to it you know once we hit that mark where it was like oh we've got 10 straight wins you know that's when you start thinking oh you you know "Mm, we're a chance here but then once you're heading into you know 12 13 14 wins you're like okay we're we're actually in prime position to win a flag is this really happening um and then of course the preliminary finals i don't know about you guys but i find them always the um the toughest game of the year um when like when you're competing because uh, there's just so much at stake and so i think i used so much energy um when we won that prelim and then of course everyone was just like geelong are the favorite this is geelong's to lose and so you know as a member you're like okay like we've got this 
but because everyone expects that we've got this, have we really got this? And so the, all the nerves start building up and everything. But the day is just incredible. I think I was at the ground at like, well, 9, 9 10 a.m. Um, and then, of course, the build-up and the crowd comes in. And I think every everything just went perfectly for us. And it was just um, beautiful gestures, you know, Gary Ablett with Levi Ablett, um, sorry, yeah, Gary Ablett, Levi Ablett and Joel Selwood, that gesture at the beginning, um, you know, Zach Tui's family running through the banner for his 250th and then, of course, it was game on and Tom Hawkins, you know, just set us up and then the game was basically flawless from our point, our point of view. Um, and to know that you've won a premiership in the third quarter, um, I, it's pretty special. And one of my colleagues says to me, said to me that I was crying from the four-minute mark of the third quarter right through to the final siren. So uh, <laughs> it was just immense. It was just it, it just filled my heart with so much joy and. Um, being on like being able to be on the ground when the final siren goes and uh you know just seeing the atmosphere and hearing everyone and just the tears were flowing and the adrenaline was pumping and I don't think I got home until the Friday night slash Saturday morning after the best Ferris. <laughs> A good solid weekend um party. Yeah. Well, I mean, I took my best and fairest dress with me and had it <laughs> hanging up in my car just in case we won't just in case I didn't return home. So put it that way. Weren't taking yeah. any chances. That's uh, smart, smart decision. I knew, that, I knew that I probably wouldn't be going home, and I and I was fine with that. <laughs> how hard, how hard is it? Like that first quarter, you guys came out in that first quarter, and it was basically over by the end of that. Like you watch how they start, and it's like well, it was over. We, we kicked the first seven of the first eight goals, or something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. It was like forty-nine um, to whatever. It, quarter time was like well yeah. this is over and like, like as a neutral like you guys being neutrals you were probably like oh god this is boring but well, you know and i'm sure it was a boring grand final for everyone <laughs> but for geelong members it's just you know you can't ask for much more we felt it a little bit in 2007 because that was 119 points this was you know 81 um yeah. it, it just it's it's just awesome when you can win them like that because you can just relax sit back and enjoy um, yeah and uh, i bloody did yeah <laughs> Still I, guess a bit, I thought i thought when you got there and you said um you started like you know it's nice to know that when you're in the third quarter that you've won the premiership i remember watching it going oh this is over at quarter time so like i mean the fact that you yeah, were able to last um, to the third yeah. People were saying that to me and I was getting text messages um, and DMs, you know, saying, saying, congratulations, congratulations. And I'm like, stop it. Because <laughs> I've followed, followed Geelong my entire life and I've seen us crumble from big leads before. But um, that was prior, you know, kind of pre-Joel Selwood era, if you like. Um, so we haven't done that for a long time, but those memories never fade, I guess. <laughs> so see, you're always I, nervous. Yeah, see, so I have, uh, I guess you could say a little soft spot 
for Geelong for the pure fact that my um, grandfather, uh, I mean, he's passed away about four or five years ago now, but he, um, before the Crows came to South Australia, he was a Geelong fan. And uh, so he was always, so we always sort of watched Geelong games when the Crows games weren't on. And always used to remember, you know, your Saturdays, you'd go around to, I'd go around to my grandparents' place and we'd sit and we'd watch the, uh, watch the footy and if Geelong were on that was and the Crows weren't on until either later or whatever it was no we couldn't we had to watch the Geelong game we had to go there and then I also remember um early on Mel you probably would remember this my very first game of watching Tom Hawkins was on grand final day when he was playing in the under 18 competition I swear he had about seven goals at quarter time it felt like I remember watching that on tv on Fox footy back in the day yeah, it just—it was it's one of those ones when where you watch them from the, like their full journey, you know. Yeah. And Tom, Tom Hawkins wasn't wasn't quite in the best condition back then. If you well, like, I, that's probably the nicest way to say it. I um, just remember though watching but, it, and you just—it it was one of those ones where I, I was watching it at the time, and I sat there and I went to myself, I was like. Why have they let a guy from the Geelong Reserves team playing the under-18s? This isn't fair. He's twice the size of everyone on the field. He's so much stronger. And then they were like, oh, he's, he's, and then they were like, oh, his kicking needs work. And his first, I think it's like his first two or three shots at goal, he sort of, they went a bit of, you know, one went straight, one went right, one went left. And then after that, suddenly I sort of, I remember walking out the room and coming back in and they're like, and hey, Tom Hawkins has slotted his fourth. And I was like, I was gone for 30 seconds. Like, what happened there? Like, <laughs> and 12, believe it 12, or 12, 13 not, years um, later, you're still not sure what you're getting. <laughs> you're a bit more sure, but yes. He, I remember, <laughs> um, I remember he was the whipping boy. So you know how every club has a whipping boy? Yeah. Unfortunately, with some of our fans, there's there can be several whipping boys. Um, and Tom Hawkins back in the day was a whipping boy and everyone was like, he'll never make it. He's bloody hopeless, just a big mm. lug, you know, and now look at him, like playing his best football at 34 years of age. It's a pretty incredible story. Is he 34? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realise he was 34. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's the same, oh, yeah. same age as me. I just turned 34 last weekend, so um, there you go. <laughs> Me and Tom Hawkins, same. Kicking goals um, in grand finals, are you? <laughs> uh, I've, played, I've, played in, I've played in one football grand final in my entire life. It was under 15s. And I was playing forward pocket, kicked a point in the last quarter. Scores were tied. I kicked a point, And then about 45 seconds, 45 seconds later, the siren went and we won by a point. So I was like, it's the most important oh, goal wow. of my career was a point. <laughs> There you go. I haven't been anywhere close to You win by a point, you win by a hundred, it doesn't matter. Well, I haven't been close to a football grand final since. I've I've watched some, but I haven't actually been in any since. (laughs) Now, speaking of football and the last week and a half, I was just wanting to get your thoughts, Mel, on some of the trades that have happened in this last week and a bit and deadline. I I love a good trade week. Yeah, I, I like them too, but I and and I said this to you the um, the the other night. I, I'm usually a I'll try and read everything and try and get a proper sense of potential deals that have been offered and everything. And I stupidly let one 
that I just read something on and went, oh, yep, Collingwood have uh, a looking for pick number seven from Geelong for Ollie Henry. And I was like, oh, it must be true. And then I was speaking with you and you're like, yeah, no, that was never on the table and never offered. So I was like, well, that was, that's the last time that I believe that. But speak a little so bit on some of the moves that you'll... Start your own narrative and... Yeah, exactly. Not but always, can not you... always accurate. Um... <laughs> can you give us a little bit of... Um... No, look, if you look at it from, oh. from Geelong Football Club's... Um from our lens, we haven't had a pick that high for decades. So we're not about to give it up um, for a kid that is uncontracted and actually is walking. So um, no, definitely that was that number seven, we have got plans for that. And I'm really, really excited for the draft. So um, looking, we've never looking been now, so high. I don't know what I'll do. So looking now, so uh, the ins for Geelong, I'm just reading this now. Um, so you've brought in Jack Bowes, Tanner Brun, Ollie Henry, pick seven, and gone out. Coop Stevens, picks 18, 38, 45, 55, 2023, mm-hmm. second, third, and fourth round pick. So on ESPN, they've given Geelong an A plus for the trading period. So some. Oh, just keep getting better. Get, yeah. You can't get much better than that. Um, I think I think, uh, I think Mac hit it out of the park, home run that one. Um, mm. You know, for his for his first season at the forefront. But um, look, it was a little bit expensive to get that pick twenty five, um, giving away so so many future like you know future picks. Um, but they're unknown, aren't they? So yeah. Um, no, I'm pretty. I'm pretty stoked. We we got the plan as it did on Grand Final day. The plan just went seamlessly. We got everything we wanted. So everyone we wanted, we've got. Um, you know, sad to lose Cooper Stevens. He's a really polite kid. He's 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 got some potential, um, but he is better off at Hawthorne, who actually need him. Uh, we don't need him so much um, and without insulting him because he's great, um, you know, there's probably a couple ahead of him. So I think it worked out for both parties. But, it, you know, there's all there's always a cost, isn't there? If, you, if yeah. you're going to bring in exactly what you want, you kind of have to give something back. So, but I, I feel really, really comfortable about it and I'm just, oh, I am super excited. <laughs> And I think like too, how, it was. We win a flag and then we win the trade week, and it's just like, what's going on here? I think one of the keys too was able to actually keep as well um, Asava Radicalia. I think, like, I know there was talk about him wanting to go to port, but, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people sort of throwing out the whole, and I saw this a lot, and I just had to bit, I, I bit my tongue and just had a bit of a laugh the whole. Oh, that's that's rich. They're trying to get Ollie Henry, but they won't let Radical Ear go. Who won't? But it's sort of like he's uh, he's under contract, but he's. he's I love really... a Collingwood narrative. I really yeah. do. <laughs> but he's he's really he's he's one injury away from being a key player in that team as well. Like yeah, you know, I mean, anyone that follows me on Twitter knows um, my fandom for Sav, and you can probably see my phone cover there. <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> I love him. 
like he's just a magnificent human being for a start most importantly but um but secondly uh i have been pushing so hard for him to have a spot in the back line because our forward line is stacked clearly um and we've also got a young a young kid called shannon neal um who's killing it been killing it in the vfl um and you know i think our forward stocks are quite healthy for big men uh and with sav he, he kind of has struggled with his timing and his, his direction when he's in the forward line the forward line as you know is like the toughest you know it's tougher than than being a defender so um i've been waiting for us to to put him into defense i've even put my hand up and said put sav in defense <laughs> no one's listening to me um but I think about six, seven weeks um, towards the end of the season, we tried him in the VFL in defence and he, like, he, he slayed. He absolutely killed it. Um, I think one game, he was probably four games into to playing in defence for the first time. He got something like 12 intercept marks. Um, he was re- it, w- it was really, really impressive. Uh, so, you know, when you're buying for a... When you're buying for a premiership and you've you've just changed someone's position completely from you know a pinch hit ruckman forward to a defender, you can't exactly put him into the side. And I know that Collingwood's fans' argument would be, well, you never play Raider Galea, so you know. But you know, we were about we were on the verge of winning a premiership, so you're not going to put in a kid that's just learning his craft as a defender into into a side that's trying to compete for a flag. So um, once he's got a full pre-season as a, as a defender, I, I, I'm just really, really bullish on, on how well he can be. And like Max says, and like everyone knows, key defenders just and key position players in general just don't fall off trees. So you need to hold on to them. And he was contracted and there's no malice or anything about it. Um, he is a little bit disappointed uh but i think we can work around it and um hopefully see the best out of him next year and then go from there but i'm real i'm stoked that we've kept him i think it's a really um, great great move sometimes with players like that as well you gotta be careful when you put them in because especially like you said changing positions if you put them in too early and they get found out from mm. players that are established there yeah then he loses all and his like confidence as well Sorry, like he touched on before, he has been injured. So, I mean, he broke his leg um, a couple of years back and he had to make his way, get get back from that. And that takes time, especially for a big man, because you're not running. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it takes a lot of time to get back to your best. And then, of course, COVID hit. So then, you know, there's scratch matches in hubs and stuff like that. It's just not ideal. Um, so, you know, even this year, he wasn't fully fit we couldn't get him on on the park consistently so i mean if he can if he can have a you know a solid pre-season and stay injury free and healthy then you know who knows if it works out it works out great um but i was really bullish on holding on to him and i don't think there's anything cruel about doing that when a player is contracted um but yeah i guess i can i can see how people complain about that with Geelong, like, oh, well, you know, you 
you want to keep a player, but I mean, he was contracted, so it's not like we're doing anything. Well, yeah, you, you still need your depth as well. So, yeah, we've got one tall defense. We've got DK, who's who was surprisingly exceptional last year or this season, just gone. Um, but you know, touch wood, if anything happens to those sort of guys, then we, we don't really have another big man. So we we really needed to hang on to Sav. So I'm, I'm really, really yeah. glad we did. Yeah. Now, now, moving on to your team there. Now, a couple big ins there with Josh Dunkley and Jack Gunston coming in and mm. a couple outs in Dan McStay and Tom Berry. So first, are you happy with what Brisbane were able to do in the trade period and do you think that this move of say like a um, Dunkley and Gunson and I'll get your thoughts on this Mel afterwards as well but do you think that's going to maybe finally get Brisbane up over that hump of trying to actually make it to that big game and getting to getting a bit further than they had the last couple of years? So I'm pumped about getting those two. I know people say Gunston's he's old and He's almost finished now, but if we can get a couple of good years out of him, then that'll make a massive difference as well, just that leadership and experience. And then Dunkley's, what, 25? And mm. he just won the best and fairest for the Bulldogs. So to get a player like him for, I think it was pick 21, plus some future picks as well, to get a player like him to come in at the age that he's at and the position that we're at as well as a club, that's massive for us. So I'd love for it to be the thing that pushes us over the edge. We've been thereabouts for a few years now. But it's always been those big games where once things start going against us, we haven't been able to stop it. So we've got the team to do it. Adding those two now as well is a big thing for us. So we're just another year older as well for our young guys. We're a pretty young squad overall. So I love it. So, and then you look at the couple of academy picks that will come in as well. We get the, well, would have been the number one overall pick in Ashcroft. Have him coming in. And then you get Jasper Fletcher as well, who's a good player coming through. And he was more than likely going to be a first round pick as well. So I think we've got the pieces coming in. It's just whether we can put it together and, like you said, take that next step, which we need to do. We've been close enough for long enough. We just need to take that next step. Obviously, we came up against the unbeatable side this year, which was virtually impossible to overcome. Coming up against Geelong wasn't ideal, but yeah, we played like crap against them. It was awful. But then you see what Sydney did in the grand finals. Like, well, <laughs> it was going to happen. So, but no, we've been close for a little while now, and we just need to take that next step. So it'll be interesting to see if we can next year. I think it was super important, um, if I can interrupt, that you won a final at the MCG. I think, like, getting over that hump, um, yeah. that was super important. But if if I can just comment on how I think Brisbane went in the trade period, if that's okay. No, I, no, think, I think that um, besides us, that Brisbane probably fared the best out of the draft. Obviously, you've got some picks as well 
um, for next year's draft, which is going to be a hell of a lot richer than this year's draft. So that puts you in, in good stead as well. But like you mentioned, you've got your academy picks and then then they're not just runabout names. They're, they're the top guys in the country. Um, but getting Dunkley in is massive, massive, massive get. Um, yeah. He's an outstanding player, but he's versatile as well. So I, I really think that um, that's definitely going to help some of, you know, your depletions this season um, where you've been a little bit um, maybe tender running through the middle there. So I, I think I think he's just such a great addition. And I think Gunston is nowhere near finished. I mean, age, people talk about Geelong, you know, um, us being a retirement home and all that sort of thing. <laughs> but you you get any other club and say to them, would you play Tom Hawkins? Would you play Joel oh. Selwood? Would you play Patrick Dangerfield? Everyone would every time they'd be first yep. picked. So, Absolutely. Um, people can call us what they like. We've got premiership medals now, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> We've proved that point. But um, so when it comes to Gunston, he's in good form. I mean, it's just it's just a fact. He's in good form, and I think it really helps your forward structure. Um, so I I think that Brisbane, you know, came close to winning the trade period, and I think that next year, um, all going well with whatever happens with Fagan, um, I think that you know you really really should be pushing for a premiership next year. Yeah, and I think the key thing is too with the Gunson signing is it or the Gunson trade, it he's not being brought into the club to be the number one target for the team. Like he's coming in as sort of the third, fourth option. He's going to get, you know, if you've got Jack Gunston, even at the, at his age that he's at now, if you've got him as like, okay, you've got you've got Danaher, you've got Charlie Cameron, you know, Cam Rainer's running a bit through there, Lincoln McCarthy. Yeah, like he'll be even better next year. Yeah, he needs to stay fit because yeah. But also, like when you think of your losses, like I always think, well, you know, let's look at Geelong's trade. What it, you know, okay, we brought all these stars into our team, um, but what did we lose? And when you kind of do that ratio, you go, okay, well, yeah, we won this, we won this trade period. But the same can be said for Brisbane. Um, you know, I. It's not that I don't rate stay, but I, you know, he, for mine, he's a he's a good to have, you know, average to good player. So yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's a massive loss, um, and and you've well covered him with someone better, in my opinion, better. Yeah. So I think, um, I, yeah, I just think it's onwards and upwards for Brisbane. But you've got no excuses, I don't reckon this year. Like with these home we finals, like. If you earn home finals, and we won't get me started on that, but especially <laughs> I, um, I, I really think you need to take control of that advantage and 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 really um, take steps forward this year. So yeah, hundred percent. Cannot agree anymore. Yeah, and I mean we don't really need to discuss um, discuss my team. Uh, they made uh, they made. <laughs> two moves for the entire period. They traded pick five away to get Isaac Rankin and then they, they traded Billy Frampton away to Collingwood. It's a, it's a, but it's a fair in. Like Isaac it, it Rankin is. is a fair pick-up. It is. I'm sure it's not cheap, but um, 
you know, he'll he'll definitely help you. I think that I think the big thing though ends up being that I mean he is a beginner and he will help that, you know, that forward line and the team and everything like that. But I guess it's too you know, it's left the the Crows now have two draft picks in this draft. It's twenty three and forty six. And really? for a team Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because they uh, last couple of years they lost some picks last year oh, yeah, with the, the rank, yeah yeah exactly. Jordan Dawson trade they traded away yeah. next year's third and fourth round picks as part of the ranking yeah. deal and they're getting third and fourth rounds yeah. back from Gold Coast and you know it's just sort of um, it, it's I mean my if if you liken this to NFL teams now I'm also a supporter of a team who is not doing fantastic this year in the NFL in the Carolina Panthers. But their what is problem it with your teams? <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> well that's so, do you know how so okay, just a quick aside. I'm a Panthers fan because I was looking for a team. So I've always watched the NFL. I've always just been a fan more of players and watching teams and stuff like that. I absolutely love watching the Baltimore Ravens team in the two thousands with Ed Reed, with Ray Lewis, with Terrell Suggs, Steve Smith Sr. when he went to there, those sorts of teams. You know, I just like players. But I was looking for an actual team, and I went, okay, I don't want to be a bandwagon fan. I don't want to jump on the Chiefs, the Bucks, whoever. I don't want to choose a good team. I want a team who's on their way up. So I put out a tweet one night. This was in the COVID times when everyone was locked down and no one was doing anything. So I put a tweet out and tagged all the 32 teams and said, right, I need a team to support. And the Detroit Lions came back and they were like, they were responding to me. So I thought that was pretty cool. That no the Lions were. And I was like, oh, that's cool. They might be my team. And then, so I followed all the teams and the first game of the season, of the 2020 season came around and all the teams were putting up, where are you watching from? And I was sort of like, oh, you know, I'll comment a few things, see if there's any other Aussies who might like it. And I commented on the Panthers and said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm watching from Australia. It's two in the morning. And next thing you know, the next notification that pops up is you are now followed by the Carolina Panthers. I was like, cool, that's my team. So the Panthers are my team because they followed me on Twitter. They manipulated you. (laughs) Pretty much, yes. But um, I like it. I like it. Yeah. So, I mean, and and since then, you know, now dived in and got the Panthers podcast and things like that. But it's. Well, we're on social media teams of um, American sport, like. I, I love the um, legalities of the social media teams of American sport in comparison to AFL because we have so much rules and red tape and don't cross this line and make sure you stay within these, you know. Um, but social media in America is like the media in general with players and coaches. It's just a completely different ball game. And they're so much more interactive with fans and everything. I really mm. love it. And my favourite at the moment, I've jumped on the the um, Colorado Avalanche in the NHL yeah. because of a girl that um, I'm good friends with on Twitter. Um, she got me interested in, in hockey and now I'm just totally obsessed. And <laughs> I know, I, I can't go from just here. I've got it, you know, it's here to here. I'm just crazy sport zero to 100 yeah like i'm either in i'm all like i'm all in you know Um, this is the funny thing i was trying like there was one stage where like the the crow social media team was going all these people were throwing up things i'm like the crows following me so i was like right i'm trying to get a follow from the crows and then this (laughs) week i tried didn't happen i was like well that's pity 
then at the end of that week, I was it was like, okay, so I'm being followed by the Panthers. Then being a massive basketball fan as well, and then suddenly it pops up. I'm now being followed by the Portland Trailblazers. I'm like, sick. You know, there's another basketball team. <laughs> and then a few days later, then I was like, oh, I'm now being followed by the Memphis Grizzlies as well. So I'm like, cool. I'm, I'm racking up teams, and I was like. Still can't get that crow's follow, but um follow <laughs> <laughs> down the road, I'll sort it out for you. Um, no, thanks. But no, the, they've but seen the how they've I seen how your teams go. <laughs> Memphis are good though. The Grizzlies are good in the basketball. <laughs> Memphis um, are coming good, yeah. But back to like the, the AFL trades and stuff, like the problem with the Crows, yeah. only having the two picks in the draft, like the Carolina Panthers the last couple of years, like last year. In the draft, they had pick number six, and they drafted Iki Aquano, which I was I was stoked about. They really needed him, but then their next pick wasn't supposed to be until round four, and then they ended up trading away their round four pick and their round three pick from the twenty twenty three draft to move up to select Matt Corral, who then in the preseason broke his foot and he's out for the entire season. So, and I mean. Now their coach has been fired, so that has something to do with it. But the problem was when you see some of these teams in sports who haven't had the best seasons, they try sometimes too quickly to get back to being in a, a positive position and they start trading away future assets and it doesn't always work out. And then you see what happens with like a, a Carolina where they, you know, they've traded their picks away and now they're suddenly, you know, they're, they're missing these key pieces where, you know, in this draft, it would have been really the previous last year's draft would have been really handy to have a second and a, and a third round pick that they would have been able to trade back and accumulate more assets when you have a team who is struggling. And well, it's such sort of a win with pros now. It's such a win now sort of world. Like no one's got any patience patience anymore. So you're not like you see it with quarterbacks. You get a quarterback, you chuck them straight in, and they sink or swim. If your name's Sorry, Jordan Love, you sit on the bench for three years. We've got, we got a little bit of patience with Green Bay because it seems to work out pretty well the last 30 years. Yeah, no, that's true. But We've yeah. been very, very blessed with quarterbacks, but, you know, even, even Jordan Love, like, you know, even when he tries to peek through or he, he gets a chance in preseason or something like that, the fan base are just like on his back. And I oh. I get really frustrated. Like what they do they expect him to just be, you know, Aaron Rodgers, like yeah. 2.0. It's 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 probably never going to happen for a start. But give him like give him time. Like even when Aaron started, we were all like, no. This, you know, this it was, yeah, it was out. painful to start with, and then here he is, like a four time MVP or something. So, yeah, <laughs> the, the problem, people. the problem I had with that draft now, I am, I, I have watched all of these drafts and everything multiple times. Like, I can pretty much a lot of times I can rattle off like teams who made the trade, what picks they gave up, who was picked here, here, there, and there. I remember looking at that draft at the time. And I went, as the round was unfolding, I was sitting there watching it and I'm going, oh my God, the Packers are going to clean up here. They're going to be able to draft T. Higgins. T. Higgins would work perfect opposite Devontae Adams, uh, you know, uh, Marquez Valdez. Don't say that, mate. <laughs> I, was, 
<laughs> it was like, you know, Randall Cobb, uh, no, Randall Cobb wasn't there at the stage, but like I was sort of looking at the Packers team and I was like, do you know what? If they can get T Higgins or Michael Pittman Jr., I was like, they're going to really, like, they're going to win this draft. And then they've traded up. And I've gone, I remember looking at it at the time going, do you know what? Good move because the team's behind them. Someone's going to pick them. And then they picked Jordan oh, Love. And I, actually, I, I remembered actually sitting there looking at it at the time and I went, I actually stopped and I went, okay, something's happened with my feed that I'm watching. They've It's then cut to people talking, oh, Jordan Love's a guy who can, you know, might be decent. And then suddenly I was like, wait, no, they, they actually traded up for Jordan Love. And I just remember sitting there looking at it going, oh, that's not. Oh, I really thought you were going to be. I was like, you. I honestly thought one spot away from being right there at that top of that that tier. I'm like tier wide receiver, top. wide receiver, wide receiver, mm. packet, wide receiver, wide receiver. And then the next second, we're trading up, and I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? And then we pick it. Yeah, I know. So, I think. So I, the issue I, is I as well. I, I've got to admit, I absolutely lost the plot that day. Like completely yeah. lost my marbles, and it took me about three days to recover and then get my head around it and go, actually, maybe this is quite a smart move at the end of the day. So, the, the issue was as well that Rogers was coming off one of the worst seasons he's had in a long time. That we didn't know what was going to happen with him the next injured. year or the year mm-hmm. after, so he could have retired or moved yeah. on to a different team then and there. So well, the retiring. mindset, I guess, yeah, apparently so. Yeah. yeah. The, minds, the mindset of the franchise would have been, okay, we need a succession plan. The issue mm. is Jordan, so the Packers draft in a certain way where you look at it and you scratch your head so often about it, but then you have patience and it works out. But yeah. Jordan Love had such a small amount of experience in college. He hardly played. He was such a raw prospect as well. And you and see it now, he's still what? To trade yeah. up to get him, he's still only yeah. 24. But the issue is anytime he's had a chance in preseason or in a game, he hasn't really shown, well, I guess, what the Packers thought they'd see in him. Yeah. This this preseason just gone, he started to show a lot more than what he has in the past. So he gave yeah. you he gave you Packers fans a fair bit of hope, I think, for the future. I don't know how they're gonna work it with the contract and how long Rogers is with the team for. I think he's got this year and next year at least. And then we see after that. You're almost um, um, almost the balls in more in Love's court. Isn't it because well, you know it, it's kind of like in the AFL seeking opportunity. You know we hear it all the yeah. time. Um, at the end of the day, he he would have that many suitors, you know, knocking on his door. Uh, he doesn't want to be second string forever. So yeah, well, at a certain at a certain point, you want to get your opportunity. But we're yeah. going to have to make a decision when it comes to his fifth year option, while yeah. Aaron Rodgers is still contracted to the team. Which so that's just, for Jordan Love. That's going to be like a twenty million cap hit. So that's going to be tough to do. We'll see because he'll. So yeah, they'll have to pick up his fifth year option soon, and that'll be. You know that'll that'll be um, like I said that'll probably be so based off of this past season. So, um, 
Baker and Sam Darnold are both being paid about $18 million. So with the, obviously the signing of Rogers, Russell Wilson, everything else, that's going to increase the fifth-year option. So you are probably looking yeah. at that $20 million sort of deal. But I was just looking at, I'm just having a bit of a chuckle to myself. Have you guys actually looked at the contract and the cap hit figures and the dead cap figures of what Aaron Rodgers is over the next few years? Look, no, I don't like to, no. Okay. I don't like to. It's not good. Okay. I'm telling you this just for the pure fact. We don't want to face reality. What are you talking about? It's, it's, just, it's just hilarious because I've never seen these numbers before ever. So, now look, they're not going to trade, obviously, or cut Aaron Rodgers because if they were as well, his dead cap hit this year is $151 million. That would count against the Packers' salary cap this year if they cut or trade with him. So we'll move on to next year. He oh makes, he makes 31, $31.6 million next year, and his dead cap hit is $99,778,568 next year. So he's in He's in for next year because they're not giving up. So, they're not paying. Uh, yeah. Like so I said, we've got him two years. 2024. He's 40. I just saw a tweet that he's retired, though, that he's retiring. <laughs> So his cash, his his salary cap hit in 2024 is 40.7 million dollars, and a dead cap hit of 24.48 million. 2025, 59.3 million dollars salary cap and 16 million dollar dead cap. So that's the first time that you're going to actually potentially be able to move on from Aaron Rodgers is 2025 when he will be 42 years old. And then so the last year, last year of his deal. Last year of his deal, he's $53.4 million for the salary cap and an $8 million debt cap. So it's just it was just a laugh because it's I have never seen those numbers in my life for a salary cap for someone's dead cap for two years to equal $250 million. It's just insane. And that's where the juggling act with Jordan Love is so hard as well. Because if you've got a backup oh, quarterback... If we want to bring in, you know... I don't know, like a top quality wide receiver <laughs> or Our something hands like are tied that. With, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, but, I, I guess where the Packers, you know, Packers Twitter, we, you know, there's kind of two, two halves, I guess, where people are like, you know, we should never have signed him on because, you know, down the track we're, we're in this situation yeah. um, where we can't recruit you know what who we want to because he he kind of stifles the cap but um you know on the other side it's Aaron Rodgers so you know yeah the Super Bowl window is always open you think with Rodgers there and we need another one uh, yeah I, I feel it well, yeah and if if for some reason now I've, I've probably I've said this to you before too Daniel that I don't think that this year would be the year for the Packers for, because of your young receivers in Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. If it was going to be a year, I feel it would be next year because you give them... Yeah. It's very rare that rookie wide receivers who are a huge part of a team... Now, last year was an anomaly by having Jamar Chase, you know, help yeah. Cincinnati get to the Super Bowl. But it's an anomaly for your top receivers to be rookies and you're winning the Super Bowl. But if... However, Dobbs is good. Like he's very he's good. good. He is good. Watson, oh, I love I'm, Dobbs. I worry about Watson because of his injuries. Like, this is his second injury. Am so, I right? Yeah. I'm worried about when Christian we got, Watson when we, his hands, but you know. 
when we drafted Watson, it's again, it's the way the Packers draft. We didn't draft him for immediate impact, and it's what annoyed so many fans. Mm. But Watson's a guy that's you're going to look a few years down the track, and if he puts it all together, he's got all the potential in the world. But oh, I've got the nine on my back. I'm I'm fine with it. I'm on board. Yeah. Do you know? What, do you know what I think the problem is too with a lot of it is? So you've traded up in the second round. You've moved up to pick Christian Watson, and I still don't think say the name. You know who I'm going to say? He plays for the yeah. Steelers. Don't say it. George Pickens, he was there. Yeah. George Pickens. Again, though, this is how the Packers draft. You look at the the off-field stuff with Pickens. I've got to say. No, I mean, they were. I I don't see. I wouldn't have. Because the only way that they. I reckon they would have been able to move up to get a larvae is. I mean, they would have had. So they would have had to trade with Washington. At eleven, and to in all honesty, I think for Washington to give it for the Packers to move up from where they were, they would have had to give up both first round picks to move up. And we don't draft we don't draft wide receivers in the first round to start with, let alone move up that far for one. (laughs) Do you know? Did you know? Like your offensive See, your offensive line, you don't have a first rounder on your offensive line, and it's one of the deepest and better offensive lines in the NFL. When we're healthy, we got, yeah. Uh, yes, if yeah, you want to They're having, <laughs> having some issues, but when we're healthy, we can you put the, one of the best starting fives out there. <laughs> no, I, have, I must admit, I haven't watched too many Packers games this year. I've been too busy crying into my arm. Um, in the morning watching the Panthers get demolished week in, week out. Um, or, but like, see, so my little tangent here is the fact that, like, and I've said this to you before, then, like, just going ape about the Panthers is you watch, like, watching the game last week against the 49ers, they're seven points down, two minute drill, end of the half, and you're like, they're moving, starting to try and move the ball down the field, and you're like, okay. It might not have had any effect on the game whatsoever, but if you're getting through a touchdown, or even if you're getting through a field goal, you bring it within within the touchdown, or you tie it before going into half. You get some momentum against this 49ers defense who lost Nick Bosa, who ended up losing, you know, um, a couple of the other players later on. So it gets that confidence going, and then Baker Mayfield pumps, doesn't set his feet, overthrows McCaffrey, Emmanuel Mosley takes the interception, runs it back, pick six, and you've gone from being potentially in a position to tie and down by two yeah. touchdowns and the game's gone. Yeah. And it's just things like that all season, which, you know, you should if you think you think Packers Twitter's been bad, you should see what Panthers Twitter's been like since <laughs> like well, all we'll this year. Make us feel better. Yeah, exactly. I mean <laughs> your 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 head coach doesn't control what um, the social media team puts on and you know I can't put that on social media because we don't want people to think badly of of me or anything else. So you aren't having any of that. But um, looking at your like there's no there's no denying that Matt Lafleur is hot as you know what. Um, <laughs> I, I, but I listen to his press conferences, you know, and I'm shitty. And what was that play? And what happened in that second half? And you know, and then I turn on Matt Lafleur, and I'm like. Oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I can't help it. 
he's like he's too hot to be my head coach. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I can't be mad to, at this man. We need to interview someone else, not the coach, to explain the coaching plays because I just see him and you know, my mind just wanders. So <laughs> can we interview someone else so I can listen to what actually happened, what their yeah. reasons were for that last half against New York? Oh, because... Get Rich Passaccia out there, you'll be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I, what happened in that second half? Like, I, it was like two different teams. I'm, I'm it's been like that all year. It's been like that all year, though, so far. London. Yeah, well, it's been like that all season so far because we can like you watch it and we can be dominant for stretches of a game. Yeah. And the next thing you know, we've completely changed what we're doing, and you're like, "What's yeah. happening here? Why like, are we, we running the ball? How many times? A, how many times a game is it? Run the ball, run the ball. I swear. Four, like four. So all in the pre-season, all off-season, and you're screaming yeah. at your television. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like maybe I should just rename this episode. to run the ball. <laughs> we just I want think, him to run the ball. Seriously. I think I'm just going to rename this episode. I'm in Lambo. I'm just going to hold us on. I'm going to rename this episode. I'm going to. I'm actually. I'm not going to call this show the Brad Bolt Show anymore. Tell you to run the ball. I'm going to call this show the um, the Packers Therapy Show from now on. I think I'm just going to come in and I'll say, "Here's some Packers fans and go," and then I'll come back in in an hour's time. <laughs> It'll be the same. We didn't I run the ball. Guys' opinion. If I can just go off on another little tangent, if that's okay. Mm. I don't know if you guys saw the video I posted on on my timeline um, with Jared Waitley and him vying for a game, an NFL game in Australia. Did you oh, guys see I didn't that? see your yes. post. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I my, I'm on, what are you doing? Um, no, so he was on um he was on American TV and he said that, you know, we really want a game in Australia and like logistically this is how it can work. And apparently the LA Rams are on board. They're wanting to make it happen. Um and the uh, Jared was saying the direct flights out of America are LA, so LA Rams and Dallas. So the Cowboys um, and put on a game in Australia and it would um, stream back to America either Saturday night, which of course is not an American um, regular time slot, or Sunday lunchtime. So and do you know why it would be LA? So LA's on board. Be... LA, the LA Rams are on board because Australia is their international home. So each of the teams in the off season we're all given international markets, which would become their home base. And right. LA Rams were one of the first ones, and they have two, and one was Germany. And I chose and Australia, Australia, or we just... It yeah. was sort of divided up, so they get Australia. So that's so it's Germany and Australia are there too. And then yeah. as the off-season well, progress... Like, I think it was Germany. It might be somewhere else now. I can't remember off the top of my head. But then the other team that is now, their other... That have an Australian market is the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, I haven't heard them. Could you? My, I could. The only thing is that logistically, we get it. The American fans will hate it. They'll be like, "This doesn't work. This doesn't work for our time slot. It's too hard on the on the players and to get everyone out to Australia." Um, 
So they I'm were complaining thinking... about having to wake up for an eight thirty game in the morning. Weren't they? Oh, oh my poor. god! And I oh love, my god! I love my American <laughs> followers. Love you all if you're listening. But oh my god, they were complaining in the morning. Guys, guys, we wake kidding? up at three four a.m. weekly to watch the Packers yeah. live. But so you, it was begging, sorry, just a, begging, yeah. praying that we make this happen. I know it won't be the Packers. That dream, you know, I'll have to spend ten thousand dollars and fly twenty four hours to see the Packers again. But I am praying that we get an NFL game in Australia. I don't care where. I've heard it'll be Sydney. Don't know why. Stupid. But I'll go there. How good would it be? I, I seriously. I am oh, champion. I'll be there. Yeah. I think it, it was just um, about every just, person we speak to. I just checked my email too. It was I got it from um one of the guys who works for the Rams and it's actually China and Mexico was their other not not Germany, it was China, Mexico and Australia and the LA Rams. Um international markets. Before the Super Bowl last year I heard their owner talking about um coming the connection with Australia and how desperate they are to come out to Australia and I'm like oh that's great but you've got to get someone to play and that's 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 the issue like what other team is is going to want to come to Australia and of all the teams so well, there's a way they can work a lot they've got Thursday no you're right keep going yeah, yeah they've got Thursday night football they've got Thursday night football and then they can work it around the bye week as well for both sides Exactly. That's what I'm so thinking. There's or a way I'm to make it work. So. so even if yeah. it was a preseason game, the stakes aren't so high. So yeah. you know, we'd still you get a hundred thousand. See how it works. Yeah, so 100%. the reason Mel, you're going to like this. So Stan Kroenke, who owns the uh, Rams, so firstly, his his wife makes him look poor, and he's a billionaire. So she is the um, the heir to Walmart. So her father started Walmart. So she makes him look poor. So so, um, Stan Kroenke, these are are the teams that he owns. So he owns the Rams, the Denver Nuggets in the NBA. And then stop, the teams that he owns? These are the teams. (laughs) He owns multiple teams. I thought he just owned the Rams. You're telling me he owns more more NFL teams or like other other... other... Other codes. So he owns the LA Rams in the NFL. He owns Arsenal in the English Premier League. He does not. He, he does. owns Arsenal. He no, owns I, the... like an overreaction because I don't know even anything about soccer. So go ahead. I'm going to leave I'm going to leave the best one for you for last and then maybe that's that maybe that'll be our um our, our leave out sort of uh that'll be our way out of the show. I'm in shock um, right now. Like... So it's <laughs> Arsenal it's the Arsenal women's team. It's the LA Rams. It's the Denver Nuggets of the NBA. It's the Colorado Mammoth of the MLS. He owns the LA Gladiators. Oh, sorry, the Colorado Rapids of the MLS. The Colorado Mammoth of the National Lacrosse League. The LA Gladiators of the Overwatch League, which is an esports team. The LA Gorillas of the Call of Duty League, which is an esports team. And your favorite one, Mel? He owns the Colorado Avalanche of the NHL. He does not own the Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> Damn it. And he also owns 
He also owns Screaming Eagle Winery and Vineyards. So apparently, have to put up with the members bullying me. So <laughs> apparently, what's it say here? His uh, his wife is the daughter of the co uh, the co founder of Walmart, and he was estimated to be worth ten point seven billion dollars by Forbes this year. Bill, billion. Billion, with a B. <laughs> so That's I mean, he's insane. He's, he's, I literally um, had an ice cream for dinner. <laughs> these, people buying, these people are just buying football teams and hockey yeah, teams. Just racking them up, yeah. yeah. So that's why he was able to buy, to build SoFi Stadium. And, you know, he's, he's got that. So, um, yeah. So, at, this point you know, he could, he, at this point, he could buy Australia and just, and just play. And just, and play just bring the Rams that way. What if he brings the even if he brings the Colorado Avalanche? Oh, you know, I'm still happy. Mel, I've, I've got an idea. Oh, here you go. This is this will be our this will be our get out of here um, and end the show on this. Get him to come out with the Rams. Have the game played in Melbourne at the MCG, just because you can 100, get hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. And while you're there, just sidle up next to him and go, "Hey, he's a Geelong, Geelong cats, <laughs> Geelong cats." Have you thought about investing in the AFL? Yeah. Have you thought about let, it? Let me show you some just, highlights. Just another let team. Let me show you some highlights. <laughs> just, just walk in and you just be like... Proven winners. Look at us. Hi, just, just walk I've in with a medal. I've already got a highlights package at the ready. Just, so. just walk in with the medal. Put put the medal on. Walk in with a cup and yeah. be like, hey, Stan. I'll just we have. borrow one of the guys' premiership medals. I come in exactly. with the cup. Here's some highlights. Sign to long Guernsey. How can he refuse? How can he refuse? I know that you need someone here in Australia to watch over everything while you're not here. (laughs) I'm your person for it. I'm not asking for much, like, you know, just a couple hundred thousand. Compare that to with the fact that you're paying your coach for the LA Rams $8 million a year. Hey, 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 hey. Geelong is worth more than a couple hundred thousand. Oh, I'm saying your salary. To, to oh, over, my to salary. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're. Hey, 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 yeah. Then that way, if you want, you can have an ice cream and a packet of chips for tea. You don't just have, you know, you can, you can really. You can have know. an ice cream factory. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you know, you, what know just... you know what you've just done though, Brad? You know what you've just done? Mm-hmm. Mel hasn't had much sleep for the last few weeks. You've just no, made sure she's not going to sleep again for the next week. I'm delirious. Yeah, well, Mel's you know. mind's just ticking over now. Like, <laughs> okay, this is what this is what I need to do. <laughs> and well, that's perfect. And on that note, I want to say thank you to Mel and to Daniel for coming on the first episode of the Brad Bolt Show. And Absolutely. I will thank guys for coming along. Anything you want to uh, talk about quickly before we finish up? Thanks for having us on, mate. It was good fun chatting with both of you. And I just want to leave it with Go Pack Go. Nice. Nice. Well, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I'm in a good mood. <laughs> so we'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. And we will catch you for another episode. And don't worry, you'll be hearing those two lovely voices of Daniel and Mel again at some stage soon. So until next time, thanks, guys. See ya. <laughs>